I'm your host, comedian Joe Ahmed, and this is Beating Walls Only. R for record. All right. Episode 9 of the Beaten Walls Only podcast. My guest today is a very funny comedian out of Lancaster, Philadelphia. She's been all over the place. Ladies and gentlemen, Audrey Marsh. Hey, how you doing, Joe? I'm well. Did you start off comedy in Philly? No, I started in Lancaster. Did you just start in Lancaster? Yeah, okay. Um, but it was pretty easy for me to then transition to Philly, like started doing Philly mics and... I could stay, like, over at my parents' because I'm from Philly, so right. I could stay at my parents' house and, like, hit a bunch of mics and then started, you know, working some of the clubs in, in Philly, like Punchline. and Nice. Yeah. So what m- made you try to refocus back to Lancaster? Was it just where your dro- job took you or... Was oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I work here. I live here. You know, my partner's here. So, um, yeah. I mean... It's such a it's a small town, so I don't feel like it's like a big comedy town. Right. It was never really. I uh, somebody was like, "Oh, you're you're Lancaster's like preeminent local comic," and I was like, "I would rather die <laughs> than be called a Lancaster local comic." But oh, that's how I introduced you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. No, it's fine. I, I I'm just kind of like fucking around. It's it's fine to be from Lancaster, but I I do feel like. Even if I live in the city till I'm like 95 years old and die here, I'll still say I'm from Philadelphia. I'll never be a Lancaster local. See, yeah. I feel that, but I, I grew up here, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two kinds of people that grew up here. There's like a there's the people who are like ride and die, love it. Like my mm-hmm. partner's like that. She loves Lancaster so much, and uh, and then there's people who are like, I got to get out of here. I hate this town. Yep, and. Uh, I wasn't, re- I, you know, I liked it here. I've lived here since I was like 23, 24. Um, and I liked it here and kind of like until things got super Trumpy. And then I was like, you know what? I, it's just like, it, it's too close. Like the, the, um, I just didn't feel like entire, not that I didn't feel safe here. I just didn't feel like it was my people. Right. You know? Now, like as an avid Trump supporter, was it just like the lower IQ Trumpers that you were not a fan? <laughs> 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 no. Audrey does not like Trump. But um, shit, I had a question for you, but I forgot what it was. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, no. Going off of your, you know, there's two types of people. I've, I've simultaneously been both, you yeah. know, because like currently like, I recognize Lancaster for what it is. Like, it's a nice little hub, you know? We have a great, like, local music scene, mm-hmm. you know? And I, now I'm finding out about the great com- comedy scene, you know? we got. I think we have a lot of potential talent, you know, in the area. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that because it is the small city of Lancaster focuses on the arts, there are a lot of things to do here. Right. Um and it's really, you know, I, I don't want to be like, I don't want to shit all over Lancaster. I do like Lancaster. Shit but, all over it. But as far as like when when things got super Trumpy, what bothered me more than the Trump people were the kind of like, uh, I don't know, like generationally wealthy liberal people who like were breaking their arm to pat themselves on the back for how uh, progressive they were. But really right. they live in these lily white neighborhoods. Like I, I'm just not, I'm not. 
I'm not from here. I don't come from money. I come from North Philly. Like, and it just, it just was a really stark uh, lesson on, you know, who people think they are. Right. Yeah. And, um, people really showed their true colors in yeah, the last, sure. like, five, six years. And I just, uh, I retreated a little bit. Um, and also started to focus more on doing comedy outside of Lancaster since I started in 2013. But since 2016, I think, you know, I run a mic in Lancaster and occasionally I'll do a local show if somebody puts, but I'm not putting together shows in Lancaster. I'm going, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. That makes sense. To do shows. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to, like, I'm starting to branch out as like my comedy career wise like i find like i went to soldiers for the first time a couple weeks back that was a good time i haven't been there yet because i i work too close up to the time that would make it reasonable for yeah. me to get there and sign you, up you you need to get there and sign up right off the bat cuz i mean they're like me charles Kyle Ziegler um and there was one more uh i can't remember no it was just us three it was me charles Kyle Ziegler and we got there about 45 minutes to an hour before the mic was even supposed to start. And then like, there were already people waiting there to sign up. Right. Yeah. So that's what I've heard. And I just like, that's, Oh, that's, that's a, uh, I don't know. And I, I don't like, have the energy for that. I'm not young enough to have the energy to still do that. <laughs> like, like haul ass to after work to get to no, a mic well, an hour and a go. half away. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Cause like, it was crazy because we were all like, are you the host? Are you the guy I need to give my money to? Or like, who? Right, who yeah. Like, where's he oh, that's at? Right. There's a cover. There's yeah, a you cover have to, to go yeah, up, right? Five bucks. Five yeah. bucks. I mean, that's honestly, for it's a pretty nice like situation for $5. Like, I didn't right. mind shelling out the money. Like, I'm glad I don't have to do it a fan of power or comedy zone. Right. You know, but like, it's definitely, uh, it's almost like, it's almost worth it because like, there's a guaranteed crowd. Even if it is like forty to fifty comics, you're still performing in front of forty and fifty people, you know. Did forty of them go out and smoke at a time? No. Well, that's good. Yes, yes, yeah, that's good. That's that's probably like my biggest complaint of Phantom yeah. Power. Like all of a Mine sudden, too. like yep. everybody's outside smoking. I'm like, all right, guys, I guess I go fuck myself now. Yeah, <laughs> especially towards the end of the night. And I think that like yeah. I, I don't know. I we're we're uh, we're definitely not trying to like put all the talent in the front. Like, I don't right. want you to feel like that. It's just that, um, it just kind of works out that way with the way people sign up and things like that, that we, when we split it into two halves, I think that second half is making people like feel like the show's over. Right. Um, and the same, I, I don't know. Are you, I mean, you, when did you start? Uh, I started September, 2019. Okay. So not, you had some time before COVID took yeah. everything away. Very, very brief, brief yeah. period before COVID. But, um, I mean, prior to, prior to COVID, like there, there was a, a great mic in Philly called at Fergie's pub on Sansom street. I've heard of that. Um, and People I, I tried to go that. there every Sunday, uh, great mic, and they divided theirs in half, but usually it was like new people, new signups that went in the second half and same thing. Like, right. you know, they were go people going up at two in the morning cause it would be you know, 40, 50 signups. Uh, and the, we're not trying to structure it that way. Right. Like we, we want, we want funny comics on both halves. Um, uh, the reason that we fair. started doing the two halves is because I, I couldn't tell if it was like safer or, Maybe less safe. I, I just couldn't tell, like, if it was 
I like I would do the first couple comics and then Jared would take over. And we did that because of COVID. Okay. Because we were like, you know, instead of just exposing one of us like all through the night, because we used to do like I do one week, he does the next week. Right. Yeah. Now, you are aware that COVID is a liberal hoax, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, I I got my microchip, though, so (sighs) I'm I'm all set. Bill Gates is tracking me. Uh, Steve Jobs wasn't doing a good enough job tracking me with my (laughs) iPhone. So Bill Gates had to put a microchip in me just to watch how much stupid shit I do all day. It's really Uh, boring. It's kind of... All she does is go to work and drive and... See mediocre com- comedy. Yeah, <laughs> and and perform mediocre comedy for sure. I, when you came to the rec room last week, I I really enjoyed your set. Like I thought it was it was fresh, it was new. So I, yeah. like you know, at least it was shit that I had never heard before. So it was. Uh, it you was, know, it was I good. feel like this is what I think. I think that the comics that see me primarily host an open mic. Like, I don't know. I feel almost like. Do you guys know that I? I'm a real comic. <laughs> when I first started, no, I did not. Yeah, but now I do. Okay, because like I've seen you, I've seen you fucking kill at mics before, you know. But like when I was like I was completely ignorant. Like I had no idea. I still don't know how any of this shit works, you know. Like um, but like, I remember one night, like Joey Tepidino, I guess had a had a show coming up that weekend or something like that, and he came out and like did like a chunk of his set and i was like holy fuck mm-hmm. like where yeah. did this come from dude and i complimented i was like dude that was really fun like thinking he was just like a guy that's been there long enough to be like hey do you want to host you yeah. know like that was like how i thought it worked but like now i'm seeing how everything's functioning yeah you know i get and a little mics more are, i mean mics mics are to work stuff out mics are to do new stuff right and i'm like in a i i feel like it's a shitty position to like go up there and be the host and like do the first five minutes. Like nobody's listening Yeah. like every time. And so like, I feel like it's like hosting the mic. It's more or less like a, it's a little bit of stage time, but it's like, it's not, mainly, it's not my best. I'm not putting, I'm not putting right. my best effort into that. All right. Um, so no, I get that. I get that. Cause like, you got to be like, oh, drink specials, we got some food, blah, exactly, blah, blah, yeah. blah, you know. People are like, yeah, shut the fuck up, get the comedy going, you know. Mm-hmm. People still rolling in from their cigarette. But, yeah, I mean, I've definitely gained, like, just in the year that I've been doing this, I've gained a lot more appreciation for, like, like the talent that we have here, you know. Yeah. And, like, especially now doing these, like, getting to sit down and talk with everybody one-on-one, just to kind of see like the madness that goes into the joke writing, like I, it's just nice. It's nice to like get these other perspectives because like me, I just talk to myself until I make myself laugh, <laughs> and then it, then I try to tell it to you guys. But sometimes it doesn't always work. <laughs> you know where you really have a talent, and and you're so new. You're so new. And think about like September 2019 till uh, March of 2020 like that's a really short amount of time for sure and then i mean i feel like i feel like the winds are totally out like i feel i've been doing this eight years but like i would only maybe count seven because the last year was just bullshit yeah and i feel like i'm starting from the bottom again yeah and so but what i wanted to say to you is that what where you really actually like i hear your writing talent coming through is the cute 
clean jokes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're you're a lot more. The the thing about trying to tell offensive jokes, and I I I, I don't like I I don't think that nobody should tell offensive jokes or anything like that. Right. But I think that it takes it takes a, a while of writing those like little cute Stupid clips fucking, that people laugh yeah. at before you can really realize like where your cadence is, where the punchline is. Then you can start being funny about dirtball shit. Yeah. But I, I, that, I mean, that's, that's an opinion. Like I'm not yeah. Buddha on the mountaintop of comedy, but I watch, I watch so many of you guys like come right. up and you're just like, like I just, like you, you're like, you're like, I'm going to tell a joke about smacking my girlfriend. It's like, you're not ready to tell a joke about smacking your girlfriend. You're not funny enough yet. Yo, it's so true. <laughs> every time I've tried to tell that yeah, joke, it has not gone and well. And you know what? I've watched you, like, I've watched you have, like, several good jokes in a row. Um, and then I got a curveball. What's the thing? Like, yeah, and then you do that, and every, and everybody's like, I'm not on board anymore. Yeah, what the fuck and it's was not that? Even, it's not even, like, because, you know, Phantom Power is not the, like, you know, it's, I think it gets a reputation for being like a, a more woke room, but like, it's not that that's not what I don't, it is. I don't think it's like a more woke room because we still relatively get the same people at the yeah. Harrisburg mic. And like, it's still like my, I think the issue is like, I feel like people are too spread out. I think that is what the issue is with Phantom Power with like lack of laughs. Cause like somebody will get like a chuckle here or there, but then because of it's such a big room. Right. Yeah. You know? And everybody, like a lot of the people like to sit up top. And I, I kind of like that. You know, people, right. People want that perspective and they, it feels like there's an audience up there. Right. But the, like you said it, the, the other day you were like, Speaking I'm just like void. shouting into a void. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well especially when everybody walked the fuck out right before Joe, I went to stay on stage. Joe, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but someday you will drive four and a half hours just to do that. To do a show. You'll be excited to be booked on the show. Nine people will be there and nobody will laugh at anything you oh, say. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I mean, that's kind of how I felt for, like, the first show I ever got put on. Mm-hmm. Joe Ferraro, like, he gave me f- five minutes for this, for one of the first, you know, Going Greek ones that he's been doing. Yeah. Um, oh, I which, just ate my dick at that show. Oh, yeah. That Going Greek show. Those people hated me. <laughs> Tyler, Ty- <laughs> I, I closed the show, so I had to do 20 minutes. And Tyler, like, I watched it happen, like, and I'm not blaming the audience because it threw me off and then my set sucked. But like, as soon as I, as soon as I like got up to the mic, like I was just watching people be like, Ugh. like, it's just this <laughs> rural Pennsylvania thing where I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say anything like horrible. Like, I'm not going to berate you guys or like, like you I know, don't automatically think you're a Nazi. Relax. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then Tyler was like, that's crazy. I never saw anything like that before like a whole audience just like shut down looking at a comic. And I was like, you don't understand, man. I've been like, I've been everywhere. Right. But like, I, I play much better in a, in a city. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Um, you definitely like, like, I feel like your humor is like definitely like, I don't want to say more intelligence based, but like, you need, you need to know a couple things to, I'm not talking about farts and poop in my dick and stuff. So Yeah. Exactly, because I mean, unfortunately, as a like, I'm a pretty dumb guy, 
you know, so a lot of a lot of my jokes are obviously like, look how short my dick is. I, I took a big like, shit. Today. I don't feel like the audience that night was like lowest common denominator people at all because actually the the other comics on the show, the other three comics, I wish I could remember their name. They were all really good. They was it all... Manny on that show too? No, Manny's on the next one. Ah. Uh, so it was three comics I didn't know from like North Jersey and New York, um, and one from uh, South Jersey. All of them like very well written jokes, really good set, nailed it. Right. And then Tyler, I mean Tyler did ten at the front, I think. So okay. he did. He did fine. He he had a little bit of a rough set, I think, because everybody was like still kind of getting settled. Um, and it, it is, but I noticed this is what I noticed. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much about no, this. No, dude, but you're Jim, fine. This is your like, uh, episode, not mine. Ty- <laughs> Tyler did that whole thing where he's like, "I'm not gay," but, and then he talked about <laughs> getting a hand job, and you like, as soon as he went, "I'm not gay," but, and everybody laughed, and then he was like, "I did get a hand job in the forest," and nobody laughed, and then he was like, "I'm not gay," <laughs> but I did suck a dick, and so. <laughs> When I was watching that happen, I was like, oh, well, these people aren't going to like me. And uh, and so I tried to, like, I was just, like, sitting there writing because yeah, I had a, a little time. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just, like, take some of the gay shit out. But, <laughs> like, I can't I can't disappear. Right. I can't suddenly look different. Yeah. So Put a wig on. Yeah. Grow six inches. Put a dress on, maybe. <laughs> like, something. Yeah. But, but that fucks me up when, like, when the, the crowd is not on board right away. And that's, I mean, that's that's on me. Like, I should be able that's to just... That's not on you. That's not on you at no, all. No, it totally is. That, no, how's that on you? Joe. This is what you'll learn. How's that on you, bro? Because They're what I should do is, as like... as a person before they even hear any of your yeah, shit. So should, that's on them. I should win them over. I should win their hearts. No. Tell I them don't to know. suck your dick. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I had a pretty pretty cool moment the other week for Greg's show down in Bumfuck Holtwood. Have you heard anything about this show? No. Oh my god, <laughs> it was, it was, it was beautiful. In all honesty, Greg, Greg Nolan, Greg Nolan oh, got right. okay. hit up. Um, That's right. He to, lives all the way up. There. Well, he lives up in Hershey, but he got hit up from somebody who he used to work in EMS with, who was friends with this girl who was like a venue booker for the sportsman's club down in in Holtwood. And they're like, hey, they're trying to branch into comedy and not just bands. Like, you know, can you hook us up? And he was like, yeah, I think I can put something together. And it was me. Well, it wasn't. It, originally, it was just Youngblood, him, um, Pat George, and O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. And then me and Charles were coming just to show support. And, like, by the time we got there and realized, like, it was an entire fucking disaster. The girl who, <laughs> ho- like, got in touch with Greg, like quit because she got into a physical altercation with one of the waitresses there and bit her fucking finger Jesus off. Jesus Christ, Holtwood. <laughs> this, was, this was wild off the bat because, like, we get there, and, like, the first two people who introduced us, they had all their teeth. But then the next 20 did not have all their teeth. And Charles. Charles comes, and he's very Charles. Oh, boy. Yes. And like the one, the, it was the cook and I, I, sweet guy, I guess. But he like the whole time he like, he was just like, yo, we don't normally let your kind leave. I'll keep the backhoe running. I'm just like, Jesus, fuck. Like, he was trying to be funny, but like we were not sure if he was actually being funny. Right, yeah. But so it was very, it was a mixed crowd of young rednecks. And old, staunch, conservative rednecks. And I did, you know, my whole butt fucking joke. 
And Greg had told me that, you know, you know, when I was going through it, that he saw, like, a couple people, like, as soon as I said, like, I'll let him plow my asshole. And I saw, he said that he saw a couple people doing one of these, like, ugh. But as soon as yeah. I. I guess it doesn't play But as soon well as I did the, oh, fucking spent $100 on me at the bar, like, everybody in the room erupted. Well, that's good. So yeah. I was able to, like, get him back. <laughs> so that, that felt cool, because, like, I had, like, one of the better sets of the night. Like, but everybody killed, um, except for O'Donnell, because... The show went too long, and yeah. everybody was just too trash to wow, fuck. It it, like as soon as O'Donnell hits the stage, like ten people walk out, and like the one table was just obliterated, talking through his set the whole time. And he was like, even being like, "Yeah, you know, I love when people talking talking during my set, and they have no fucking idea right, he's talking yeah. to them." But overall, great time, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of show where I've I've shown up for shit like that, and it's like it. I try to say yes to everything, right? And I've done that. Like I try to be a very amenable person. I don't. I try like I, I. The way I've thought about like moving through the comedy scenes, whether it's in Philly or whether it's here, like. I'm just the rubber band man. I'm nice to everybody. I don't get involved in drama. I'm not going to talk shit. Like, uh, I'm not going to be the person, like, I don't know, just stirring up shit or what. I, I, I'm just not that person. Right. But, like, so, because I'm not that person, sometimes a nice hilly, hillbilly like you will <laughs> be putting together a show and invite me on the show because they're like, oh, this person is nice and they're funny. And then I get there and I'm like, why the fuck did you do this to me? Like, like I'm not going to be able is, to, this is not I'm not going to get to the parking lot safely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's going to fuck with you, Audrey. I don't know. You look like you could questionably stab people sometimes. <laughs> I don't feel like I look like I could questionably Not often, stab but people. there are days where I'm like, she could do it. <laughs> she could do it. She is one bad gay joke to just losing her shit. <laughs> but no. So we were talking earlier that you used to shoot guns. Mm-hmm. Never would have fucking guessed that. Well, there used to be a time, I'm old enough to remember a time, where uh, guns were not terribly political. <laughs> like, I'm, they the, just yeah. existed in yeah. the world. And uh, there was a... Well, I mean, Columbine had happened, but it wasn't like a mass shooting a day. Right. So guns didn't have that uh, stigma attached to them. So normal people... Nice people that you wouldn't assume would shoot guns used right. to. I mean, also, come on. Every mass shooting staged by the government. Everybody, <laughs> everybody knows this by now. Come Fucking on. crisis actors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right. Quick tangent. Like, like, I could totally see why people think that because it's just like as soon as a mass shooting happens – immediate discussion of gun control you know like but, but Joe, at the same time no gun control happens exactly. like if gun, if if law, okay i might believe that because i'm a little bit of a cons- like I'm i a conspiracy i have nut. a conspiracy brain i have to i really have to suppress that part of me and because, use the rational yeah, part of your brain like for sure it's just it's, yeah. i like nine times out of ten it's just people being fucking stupid yeah 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 <laughs> but i mean like I, we've had conversations but i i have like have a little bit of that worm in my brain and sometimes that button gets pushed so sure i could i could get down with like crisis actors and fema trains and shit like that but i don't 
only if there were actual initiatives that passed and went through. Right. Because it, it, it gets talked about, people get pissed off, yeah. and then nothing happens. Yeah, but the, I mean, the gun lobby is very strong, and every conservative politician is in the pocket of the, of the gun lobby, and they're not going to... I don't exactly understand why... People are so like bump stocks, you know. Like, why? I, why is that like as an, an avid, argument? As an avid gun lover and Second Amendment fanatic, could not give a shit about the bump stocks. That's not going to yeah. do anything, you know. Like outlawing them or yeah. having them outlawing either, them? Yeah. either. Like, I did not care. I was like, I didn't know like why this was such a fucking big argument. Like, okay. Well, I think. The, they started. I didn't never. I never heard the word bump stock. Same. And I'm not like a gun. Definitely not a gun guy. But I never heard that until the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah. Because he was able to get off like 400 rounds, um, in within five minutes. Like that's to me that Damn. seems like something that shouldn't be in the hands of a civilian. But the Las Vegas one. That, that's one of those shootings that makes me raise an eyebrow because if you, like I've heard audio where it's like definitely two different guns being fired at the same time. But <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> so, but that's just one of the few instances where I'm like, hmm, one guy, 400 rounds. But then like I've seen people like reenact like how easy it is to just, you know, drop the mag pop in another one yeah. as long as you like are familiar but he, didn't with he that have, he had several guns yes and he had he had guns like set up on like some kind of like tree stand right i thought it was a tripod out well the window. yeah that's what i meant yeah, yeah tripods tripod out the yeah. window um so i mean theoretically joe it was po- like it is possible he could have been shooting two guns at the same time like, yes like a, like do a wheel akimbo yeah yeah but what was that did you hear that? Yeah. Hmm. That's a cable. Oh, well, fuck it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, as far as, like, the actual bump stocks, like, like I didn't even care that they uh, outlawed anything over 30, 30 rounds for specific guns. Like, especially the airs. Like, I was like, okay. I mean, I don't... I would really prefer people just stop shooting each other. Yeah, like, that'd be great. But I would love I would love for that to <laughs> right. happen. But I think I don't know. I think that a lot of the gun violence, a lot of the the day to day gun violence, I I would say that there's probably a not a good percentage, but a, a percentage mm-hmm. of those guns that like wouldn't be influenced at all by gun control because they're either those uh, those kit guns or whatever, or they're uh, I don't know, like illegal guns, or they come in giant boxes from the Philippines, like shaved down guns. But um, I those mass shootings where all the like all these rounds go off, all these people mm-hmm. those those are always like legally purchased guns. Yeah, and yeah, and ain't the, ain't that bad a bitch? I just I don't see. 15-year-old kids being able to get a hold of an illegal AR. But I do see fucking dads buying their 15-year-old kids assault rifles. Yeah. I just, why? <laughs> I just, I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I'm not saying, now, I, I'm not ta- saying like, I have the answers to this. I'm not. And I, like... I think one thing for sure, 
Like it is, it is very easy to to obtain a rifle. Like I bought mine. I have an AR, mm-hmm. and I bought mine from a friend of mine. All I had to do was sign a piece of paper that let the government yeah. know that it is now in my possession. Yeah. And when I went to go buy my handgun, I uh, like. Yeah, you can go took, to like Dick's Sporting Goods. It took to do me. That. It took well at the time everybody because this was at the start of the pandemic, so everybody was panic buying guns. So it <laughs> took it took it took like three hours, but like people can easily just go in. It takes about thirty minutes to yeah. do the background check. You can walk right out. And it, I don't know if you know this, but it's very easy to lie on those, like because there's a series of questions. You know, like do you have a felony? No. Do you use drugs? No. Yeah. You know, What's your favorite color? No. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. But, you know, I think as much as I love the ability to just to walk in and immediately buy a gun, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely opposed to having, like, further, like, an actual, like, m- mental health screening, you know? Yeah. Like, like get, get looked at. I feel like. Especially, especially for, like, like, anything that can contain, like, 25 to 30 rounds. You know, I think I think that's pretty reasonable. Maybe like a, you know, there's like a driver's test, and nobody goes nuts over that. Like, Hon- yeah, I'd like uh, like you have to get a permit first, right? And then you go in and you take a test. Yeah. Um, showing a, you're not a lunatic, and b, you know how and to point it and shoot it. Knowledge, you're like knowledge of safety and all it, that yeah. shit. Yeah, like that. That makes 100 percent sense to me. And it, like is like, but here here is also my my uh, side tangent. And I think we should be able to have everything. I think we should be able to have tanks, grenades, because nobody's <laughs> gonna be fucking around. I fucking tank. I do want a you tank. I, I want a, a driveway. Tank. I have a driveway now. I have never had a driveway in my entire life. I bet I'm a putting tank, a fucking tank. In I bet it. a tank would look dope in that driveway. <laughs> I have an Airstream trailer. I'm going to get that out of no there. And gonna then f- I'm a, yeah. I could see Emily popping out of a tank with a fucking AK, <laughs> just ready to fuck shit up. No. Actually, the only <laughs> gun in our house belongs to Emily. Uh, it was... 12-gauge? No, it's a 9-millimeter. Okay. Um, it's a nice... I mean, it's a nice gun. It's like a Hungarian gun. I forget. It's like, like a K and then a bunch of letters. Uh, but... Um, yeah, her her stepdad decided that she like needed to have a gun in the house, and I always say it's like her her stepdad was like fine with her being gay, but like just didn't look, like looked at me and did not trust me to protect He's her. Like, All right, well, you you need to have some type of protection <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> this little pipsqueak's not gonna do it. <laughs> but she doesn't know how to shoot it. I do, or load it, or anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just picturing like somebody like God forbid somebody breaks into your house. She's like, Audrey, you gotta do it. <laughs> I always say that too. And she was like, she had the gun and the magazines in different places, and I'm like, I don't want to. That's fucking- a responsible gun owner. I know, but I was like, I don't want to. Like, we can have a gun safe, like under the bed. Yeah. Well, I don't need anything like that. Um, It's very empty. That's like a gun sarcophagus. It's very empty, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, you know. I'm working on it. One can dream. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I like. I think that that's silly. That there are that the bullets and the magazines are in a different room than the actual pistol. No. I think. Should anybody? Well, we also have we also have a pit bull and a very large black lab, oh, which I think dogs. will be uh, 
you know, better deterrent than tiny lesbians with <laughs> one gun. <laughs> my uh, my girlfriend just got got a nine millimeter Ruger, <clears throat> but she she fucking insisted to have like she had to have like it sparkled and colored to a Tiffany blue because that's her color. You know, that's her favorite color. I'm just like, and I'm thinking like, no, because like I'm thinking she wants it to carry, or I want her to carry it, like you know, get her like a sealed carry permit, mm-hmm. just in case like ever some shit goes down. She's like, what's up, you know? And she was like, no, I got my concealed carry just so I could transport it. I was like, you can transport it. All you have to do is take the fucking magazine out and put it somewhere else other than where the gun is. But when when she first got the gun, right, you know, she didn't. She knew she knew how to slide it back, but then she didn't know like how to take the the initial like the top off to clean mm-hmm. it and all this shit. And I'm trying to show her. She's like, "You don't know what you're doing. You're gonna fucking break it." And then I'm like, "Okay." And then she went and did this course, you know, because she's a responsible gun owner. And she learned about it. And then she comes back. She's like, "Yeah, you knew what you were doing." I'm sorry. And I was like, <laughs> "That's right." <laughs> do you take? Do you go to a gun range? Or? Not uh, my gun range is my cabin. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm one of my family's got a cabin up in Sullivan County, so I go up I don't go up very often, but when I do I take uh take my guns up and I try to shoot them. So. Right, even the AR? Yeah. I, I actually I haven't shot it yet because mainly because it's a fucking dollar a round. And so that's thirty bucks a magazine. <laughs> you gotta really mean it if you go shoot up a grocery store apparently. Oh, dude, fucking Chris Rock now we don't need gun control, we need bullet control. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm going. I'm actually going up to my cabin here next weekend, and I'm, uh, I decide I'm just going to get 300 rounds and blow through them. <laughs> Casually drop 400 dollars in ammo in a on weekend bullets. on bullets. Jeez. Well, <clears throat> fuck. Craig Paul said it the best. You know, if you're only now just buying ammo and not only now just buying crypto, you're fucking too late. Right. And it's so true because you used to be able to just go to Walmart, get 100 rounds of 556 or 223 for like 30 bucks. Now you get fifty for sixty, you know something ridiculous or twenty. It's like it's literally over about depending on where well, you. I would do it for me. I'm such a cheap ass. If I was ever like, I'm gonna go to my job and I'm gonna like, I w- I would just be like, like twenty oh, bucks. No, mm. no, I don't know. <laughs> it's too much money. You lucky bastards! You live another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till these prices fucking drop, man. <laughs> I, I just want to make it clear that I would never go to my job. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we should actually like toss Maybe. in like, hey, these are jokes. We're comedians. Yeah. We're, uh, we were we were fucking around. We I do not want to shoot anybody or wish anybody any type of harm, except for that one guy, fucking George. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is no George. But um, you had mentioned earlier that you were in a band. Yeah. What was your What was your jam? What was your thing? We we played like kind of like post-punk, post-industrial, or post-rock, kind of industrial, like sludgy. Nice. It was... Uh, a little bit of ministry, a little bit of Nine Inch Nails. A mm, little bit of, like, you know, Converge, shellac, like that. I mean, it was definitely, like, not... It was not girl music, um, but we we played mostly, like, in... Chicago. We we had like a little bit of a following in Chicago, um, and you know, like recorded an album and yeah, uh, it was it was a fun time. I all through pretty much like all through my twenties, I played in bands. Nice. Um, what was your uh, instrument? 
I play good. Well, I play a lot of instruments, but I play. I played the guitar in the band. And I was the lead singer. What's your What's your favorite instrument to play? Probably. I mean, the guitar definitely. Okay. But I like. Uh, I kind of. I. This is just me like getting older, but I like was playing a little bit. Not not like ever playing out, but like playing country music with this little group, and I was like, I I like doing that. Like I like. I can't. So I can't I, picture that at yeah, all. Yeah. So I learned. The, <laughs> I learned the banjo. Um, what? Yeah. I. Uh, had a good time with that. I play, yeah, play the trombone. <laughs> I wanted to, so I grew up on a drum set. You know, uh, I started when I was five, but when I got to fifth grade, I was like, I'm not playing drums. I want to learn another instrument. Mm-hmm. I want to play the trombone because I wanted to learn how to play jazz with like f- with the horns and shit. It was either saxophone or trombone, and I decided to go with trombone. But my mom didn't want to fucking buy a trombone. She was like, You're playing the drums. <laughs> we have drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> And then I know I didn't pursue it because I was like I already kind of know how to play drums. I want to learn something else, oh. you know. The trombone is actually like I never I was never that good at it, um, uh, but it's it's fun. And I I was in high school in like the mid '90s when mm-hmm. s- like ska had a reemergence, oh, I love, and love ska. I played I played jazz band I played in the jazz band in high school, and um, I mean. Definitely, we weren't the cool kids, but like we weren't <laughs> not the cool kids because we could play like those like punk parties, yeah. and, you know, mighty mighty boss yeah. tones, fucking less than Jake, yeah. or who else we got? Oh, Streetlight Manifesto, <laughs> yeah, love Scott. I like the uh, like the kind of more hardcore like choking victim type. I've never heard of them. Star fucking hipsters. I know that one. Yeah, I know that one. So like Scott punk more. Yeah, like Op Ivy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, like when Save, I can totally Mighty see Mighty you. Boston's, Mighty Mighty Boston's actually like that. They were had fun. A little bit of, they were super fun. And they, they were like really good musicians. And also I, I went to a Real Big Fish. I thought Real Big Fish was totally corny. But oh, I went to a Real, Real Big, Big Fish, Fish concert at the Electric Factory when I was probably like in 11th grade. And it was really, it was a very fun concert. They played with the Toasters. Do you remember the Toasters? <sighs> I don't remember the toaster. It was, it was like at that time there was five million different uh, yeah ska like bands yeah <laughs> all day. Dude, like, who do you think really put it on the map? Do you think it was Real Big Fish or Mighty Mighty Boss Tones? I think Mighty Mighty Boss Tones probably had. Do, I think when they were in the movie Clueless, that song. I've never seen that movie. You've never seen Clueless? No. Jesus, how old are you? I'm 25. Oh well, I highly recommend seeing the movie Clueless. Okay. Uh, they were they were in that movie. Okay. And it kind of like pushed that song up the charts, and then you saw there were other ska bands that already existed, and you know like we were like like Rancid and Op Ivy that already had a following and popularity. Um, Pennywise. Pennywise. Um, I'm so, I, I'm glad you brought up Rancid because I almost forgot about them. I fucking loved Rancid yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think as far as like white ska, um, <laughs> no, seriously, no, like mighty, <laughs> mighty Boston's are, are responsible for the white ska, uh, I guess mainstreaming white ska in the, in the nineties. Right. Um, but I mean, part of that, it was like bad brains, you know, yep. like that was early eighties. Um, bad brains was, I mean, they were kind of like early eighties. I thought they were more like eighties. Like eighty five, eighty six. I mean, is that the you might be early? right? Yeah, um, I don't fucking know. Yeah, but Bad Brains they would do like the hardcore, they would do the reggae, they would do the ska. So 
Yeah. Did you ever see the movie uh, Basketball? No. Oh my god! It is. <laughs> it is a fucking beautiful movie. It's by the creators of South Park. Um, okay. Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I think I know about this movie, but I it's, never. It is. It is just obnoxious. But they're they create this sport. You know, it's a mixture of ba- basketball and baseball. Hence the name basketball, <laughs> and they're they're the they're, they're the Milwaukee Brews or something like that. And so they have real big fish come on, and like their song was you know you know beer. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think uh, Smash Mouth killed that movement. It became. I have this whole thing. Okay, so I'm gonna Lay I'm gonna out. tell you this this music thesis that I have. I think that the the logical end of every kind of alternative music usually comes to a point where it's trash like unfortunately like uh think about the the like seattle grunge sound Mm -hmm. seattle grunge moved into pearl jam moved into oh oh. i know pearl jam's not terrible okay but they're not great and they're definitely more commercial than real seattle grunge moved into pearl jam Pearl Jam gave way to something like fucking Stained. And they're, from, uh, they're from Massachusetts. Stained gave Lewis. way to things like Nickelback and Puddle of Mud, and it just got to a point where it sucked. Hold on, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pause like, this. <laughs> pause this, because first of all, we are we are past the age of hating on Nickelback. They have given <laughs> us timeless classics. <laughs> you look like a guy that would defend Nickelback. <laughs> Like, if there no. was a multiple choice quiz, like, which one of these open mic comics would defend Nickelback? I'd be like, Joe Amen, all 100%. the way. 100%. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm indifferent. I, I'm not actually a Nickelback fan, but. Uh, I mean, Nickelback's like a, it's like a meme to hate Nickelback. Exactly. But also, they can't, not everybody can hate Nickelback, because they still fucking sell out stadiums. Yeah. To who? People who shop at Buckle. Those <laughs> those Holtwood people. I used to work at Eastern Mountain Sports in the mall right next to Buckle. <laughs> and I was like, who shops here? Who wants the like those like rhinestone bedazzled bedazzled jeans? Like men. I have men's jeans. I have a friend. I have a friend whose stepdad fucking shops at Buckle and every and like it is the Jeep life. And he fucking got bedazzled shit on his back pocket and Fat Oakley's on his face. I'm just like, God damn it, dude. Okay. Ears still pierced, probably like early 40s. I don't think that she'll ever listen to this, but my ex, like my, uh, this is like a thing with, with the gays, but my ex is like a really close friend of mine. Um, but her partner that she's married to is like, she's first of all, like the butchest lesbian I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. She scares the shit out of me. And but she's she's definitely like a bedazzled jeans Oakleys like uh, Marlboro lights. Hair. Uh, actually, she dips. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, she wears like steel toe boots to. I wa- I saw her wear steel toe boots to somebody else's wedding, and that's a that's a yeah, that's a bad bitch I, right I, there. And she's not completely alone in the world as far like it's not just like. That's the only lesbian that exists like that. That that's the stereotypical lesbian that I refer to as the Guy Fieri lesbian. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's got to be a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, 
Um, I want to say Dyke Fieri, but I feel like that's too rude. <laughs> you can't say Dyke. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, you can say it. I mean, you just said it on your podcast, but <laughs> you can say it in my presence. But I just want you to know that that's a... Uh, uh, Don't go that's, up on that's stage. That's ours. Yeah, that's ours. Okay. I can say dyke. I can say dyke all day. Yeah. But well, that's uh, like black people with the N word. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to equivocate those two things <laughs> because uh, You're smart. I think black <laughs> people. I think black people have sustained as a people in the United States a lot more oppression than the dykes. But also, <laughs> I don't prefer to be called that by a person who isn't a dyke. Uh, but that's the concept. Though. Yeah. 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 yeah picking up. It's close. It it's. But it's not, it's not, a, it's the oppression isn't behind yeah. it, but like the principle of it is there. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, like you're not part of the universally club. loved, but uh, also we weren't enslaved for, yeah. you know, we didn't build this country only to watch this you country. Just, you just got us. begged by your family, like, please, it's just yeah. a fame. Nobody ever went and burned down lesbian Wall Street because there wasn't ever lesbian Wall Street because we yet. don't, we don't make a lot of money. Not yet. We're all you, social workers I and think you we own can dog do rescues. I think you can do it. You can make a lesbian Wall Street. Okay. I think you'll I think you'll have to move to Seattle though. My wife is calling me. She doesn't know where I am. Oh, she just came home no. from work. You can put her on the put her put her on okay. if you want. <laughs> Hello. Hi, baby. Um, you're on Joe Allman's podcast. I'm sorry, I couldn't text you back. You're you're I'm, Hi Emily. I'm recording you. You're on a <laughs> good to know thank you for warning me i appreciate it yeah do you want to do do you have do you have anything that you want to add uh i'm sure that anything i say would be hilarious but um but no okay (laughs) we're talking about lesbian wall street yeah we're talking about well i'm the wrong person we're talking about lesbian wall street but i'm the wrong person to advocate for such a thing because I'm anti-capitalist. Woohoo! Yeah, absolutely the wrong person to advocate for. <laughs> All right, I'll be home soon. Okay. Have fun. Bye. 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 <laughs> I really do enjoy Emily. She's she's a sweet person. She really is. Yeah, I uh, I um, I think sometimes people think that she's not like as nice as she presents but she totally is like that's just who she is she's a I, sweetheart I, I, I people question that well no just like, you like know, she seems like a very genuine like, pe- person like maybe have like a an ounce of cynicism but she really doesn't like i just remember i was getting trashed by o'donnell playing tre- playing chess and she was just like oh that was a good move you just you know <laughs> you'll probably beat me sometime and then o'donnell's like dude you smoked me in five moves last time we played on. she's just like yeah a sw- she's, she's just- a real smarty pants too she's a little ultra competitive too so you have to you have to look out for that one yeah fucking <sighs> competition yeah there was a, i had a, something flash across the brain that i was trying to like hold on to it but it's fucking gone <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, your podcast. Also, mm-hmm. by the way, I fucked this part of the intro up. Audrey is the other co-host of the Cure podcast. If you remember previously, uh, I had Tyler Weigert. Weigert? Weigert. Weigert. I had Tyler Weigert come on, and he was the co-host. W- was Tyler the sole reason you wanted to do the Cure, or w- did you just see his experiences and, like, no. Kind of like recognize the potential, be like, we could use this to like get a good message out. It wasn't really that. It's that, um, and no offense to your podcast, Joe. 
uh, Tyler asked if I wanted to podcast with him, and I was like, yeah, I want a podcast, but what I don't want is another podcast where two, two comedians, comedians shooting in, the like shit. Like two local nobody comedians interviewing other nobody comedians. I actually would hey. like... <laughs> <laughs> I would, That's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Well, and I said, no offense to your podcast. Yeah, no, I get you, it. There's, there's, a, there's a million of these. There's a million of these. But, and they're not, not funny, and they're not unfun. I was just like, I didn't want to re... You know, I can't reinvent that wheel. Right. Um... So I said I wanted to do like a. Have you listened to our podcast? Yes, I'm not caught up, but okay. I, okay. I I actually really enjoy it. I was gonna say that, but continue. So the the difference is that, and a lot of podcast some podcasts are people having a conversation around a table, and that's obvious. I like those kind of podcasts. I love there's some of those I love like My Favorite Murder or Lady to Lady. Like there are or even. Um, Pete Holmes, his podcast. I don't know that one. You know, do you know who Pete Holmes is? No. Pete Holmes is my favorite comic. Um, I'll have to check him out. Yeah, he's so funny. Uh, but, you know, like those kind of sit around, talk to other people type podcasts. But then there are other ones that are like high production value, heavily edited with interviews woven in and like different like substance. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying this has substance. <laughs> I mean, it has substance, but like it's not just. It's more of like a whimsical, like a. I I would say like, probably most people would be familiar with like a This American Life kind of style. Of, I don't know what that uh, is. It's a it's a show that. By Ira Glass on NPR, you, people who listen to this podcast, Joe, will know what a, This American Life is. I'm actually, and they'll also have seen the movie Clueless. I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. funny. It's funny that you say that it's like it's a thing on NPR because when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, damn, this just should be on NPR, or PBS, or something. Like, well, thank it, it, you. Feel, yeah. it feels very professional. Yeah, you know, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to go for. And thematically like i i have worked in mental health care for so the theme of the podcast is like two comedians kind of figuring out um and and discussing different topics in mental health um and also there's an element of trying alternative therapies mm -hmm. for mental health and then kind of like reconvening and talking about it but there's there's episodes that we don't we don't try anything new we're just like kind of discussing something some particular aspect so I've worked in mental health for 16 years, um, but I also am really open with my like my history or current whatever depression and anxiety. Tyler is really open about his, um, <coughs> you know his his mental health history and being uh, diagnosed with depression, anxiety, but and also obsessive compulsive disorder, and. I, I, don't, I thought it was like kind of like a cool theme that we could work off of. Yeah. And uh and it's, it's so far it's like I think we have I mean we have like an audience that is we we took 2 weeks off and because Tyler is also a college student trying right. to graduate and like fuck like I didn't realize how busy you would be. Right. Um but yeah, like we have people who but I don't, I don't know. Not people, not people I know. Like, hey, where's that next episode, exactly. motherfucker? Like, yeah. come on, like. We have, if you look at our analytics, we have listeners in Ireland and listeners in Australia, and we've wow. only made five episodes so far. Look at you go. Yeah. I made the mistake of looking at my analytics. I was trying not to. I just wanted to like just 
do my thing and mm-hmm. hopefully it happens but I, I that's how I found out how, how many plays I'm getting but like I'm really not trying to focus on that like I just yeah like, I mean and our plays you know they kind kind of like what's nice to look at if you look at your analytics look at how many people listened to your first episode and continued listening through the other this is nine episode nine yep yeah, just check out who who kept listening cuz even if you have a small percentage, well no, you can't see exactly who kept listening, but you can see what your audience is. Okay. So like if you got 70 plays on your first <coughs> episode and you're consistently getting 70 plays and your audience says that there are 70 people and mm. so that it's clear that there's not new people coming in. Right. Or that there are more consistent listeners than like it's it's just like a nice thing to be like oh people are actually like continuing to tune into this they're not just like oh I like Joe I'll listen to one of his podcasts right yeah I feel like I have a good bit of that of like ugh, you know but it's what like I know my my two biggest fans I'll keep saying this is my my grandma and my great grandma like they've <laughs> they've listened to every single one and I forgot to tell my ninety year old one. Not, Grandma did not listen to the one with Tyler just because of how sexual it was. And oh she, my god, poor Tyler! He keeps talking. He's new to it, you know. So like, <laughs> I, I talked to him about this before. I was just like, hey, you know, because like I, I saw him get pretty frustrated one night with Youngblood because Youngblood was being Youngblood and grilling him about because he said something about you know. Uh, or young blade had said asked him like who sucked a better dick or uh, like their gave a better hand job hurt your her, his girlfriend or whatever and he was like no jenna's got it and he's like well how how do you know like tell me about it and it, like <laughs> and i like he just wouldn't drop it and yeah. like he, he wasn't like meaning anything by it but you know how like young blood can get very overzealous about something <laughs> yeah which a lot of love for young blood but like i watched tyler so i like i, I took him not a side, but like one, like one thing when we were talking, I was like, "Hey, man, you know, one, if you don't want to get grilled about it, don't tell everybody about it right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Two, you know, just like I forget what what else I told him. But I think was, at a certain like, especially with with like somebody that's raised really Christian or something, and then right. like they're breaking away from that, and they're like, I'm a sex guy now. Yeah. I have sex so, now. So much sex is happening <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Oh, but dude. I yeah. love Tyler to death, though. He's, he's he's a good kid. I think of, like, he's like my, like, nephew. That's yeah. how I kind of think of him. Like, I feel very protective of him. I feel like, pro- I get, uh, I feel like protective of a lot of these young guys that, like, you know, there's a reason why people do comedy, and it's not because they're super stable mentally <laughs> or emotionally. Real healthy, happy yeah. people. <laughs> um, and, I mean, there are dickheads that do comedy, but for the most part, like, it's just, like, kind of, I, the way that I, <coughs> I approach the people of comedy, it, like, these are, br- these are pretty broken people, and the last thing that you want to do is, like, Break them down more, unless they're extraordinarily racist. Then, fuck them. Speaking of racist, what happened Monday night? So, with th- uh, with our homeboy Fats Fats Clay, <laughs> Bazinga shirt tucked into his jeans. Is that um, what he was wearing? No, I'm I oh. uh, I made that up. Okay, he hasn't ever worn a Bazinga t-shirt, but can't you imagine I, him wearing I'm a Bazinga 100% t-shirt? Per- yeah. 100 can see that motherfucker because like so. Okay, I'm going to be diplomatic about this. I think that that young man probably has developed like a serious chip on his shoulder 
He has extreme social ineptitude, possibly bordering on autism, although I'm not qualified to diagnose him. Um, I think that he, in response to being likely bullied or, uh, I don't know, whatever, uh, just like an awkward kid, like, and I, he's probably young, right? He doesn't look... He doesn't look that old. I'd, no. I'd put him in like the 20 to 22. Yeah, I think he's in his 20s, yeah. So um, I think that in response to something like that, like I'm pretty sure he didn't grow up like the cool kid, that what really? he does, what he does is he comes in and he's just going to like get us before we get him. Um, and he's, he did that with T, the bartender, not la- not this past Monday, but the Monday before, because he wa- he walked in without a mask, um, and he very politely asked him to put a mask on, and this guy like postured and like got up to eleven really fast. Um, with me over the summer when we were doing the the stuff outside, uh-huh. he came one time. I didn't know him. I put him up, pr- not last, but I put him up close to the end. Right. And he came over and he was like, "Is that the list?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Well, I'm not going up." that late like i i can't go up that late and i was like oh why do you have somewhere you you know i'm like i am a extremely reasonable person the list right if if somebody says i gotta go to work or somebody says i have to get up early i will put them at the top of the list no matter how hard they suck and he said to me he was like no i don't have anywhere to be i just i'm not waiting around through all this bullshit and i was like i'm sorry it's you I, I didn't realize Who that, the fuck yeah, are you? <laughs> I didn't realize that you just like came uh, from your... Uh, Gracing us with your fucking presence yeah. here. So so I knew this guy was a dickhead for a long time. And his, his comedy is also um, really aggressive and uh, kind of like... You, I mean, you just... You can't be... <coughs> you can't be Bill Hicks if you don't know how to write a fucking joke. Like, stop yelling... And also, he makes me a little nervous in that, like, school shootery type way. Yeah. So then, sure. on Monday, he, I mean, he doesn't ever do well, but he went up last because he showed up late and he hadn't texted anybody to, to sign up. So he went up last. There was really nobody in the room. Nobody was even, like, making a sound. And he tapped out after, like, two and a half minutes. But then went outside and went right up to Charles um, if you have listeners that don't know you, <laughs> Charles is an African-American man <laughs> um, and asked him, he was like, let me ask you a question. And he's like really rude about that. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have any, um, I, I, he doesn't know like if other, if two people are talking, but he has something to say, he will interrupt. And this is, I think this just goes back to, he has he, very low Slightly social intelligence. Yeah. Um, so the spectrum is a spectrum. We're all on it, Joe. But um, what are you, my doctor? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he, okay. I wasn't out there for that, but the story that I got was that he asked Charles, like, "What do you think 
can I say, and Charles was like, you can't say the N-word, man. <laughs> I just knew it like, right knew off Like, knew it. And that is exactly the question that he Probably was going to ask. Probably from the then, various conversations yeah, I've had with Charles. Like, hey, Charles, what if I said it this way? Right. <laughs> well, and then Phil started to, like, get defensive and um, kind of make his reason why it's just a word, words aren't offensive, blah, blah, blah. And I think that that can be discussed among the greats. I don't think that that can be discussed among fucking autistic open micers <laughs> that with their Bazinga shirts tucked into their pants. Like, get out of here. You fingerless know, gloves. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, fingerless fucking gloves. You have no, you have like, just no authority and no agency to speak at all about that, especially like, if you're trying to make a place for yourself in like it's a small scene. It's kind of a click. I know that there are people who feel like they're not like fitting in right and stuff, but I'm sure that guy feels it hard. Uh, but the way that he's trying to go about it is by, I don't know. It's kind of like I said, like the people that come out and they're like offensive right away. Well, this right. kid is like too familiar right away. And so, I would like him to never come back. <laughs> that's kind of what I've gathered. But that was the very nice and polite way to put it. But I don't like, dude is a fucking incel. Oh like, yeah, he 100%. he probably just got some love on 4chan one night because like that is my type of humor. I like that fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. And like I've laughed at a couple of his jokes, but how he tells it is just not good at all. Mm. And no. it's like it takes a lot for me to be like fuck you. I don't like you because I genuinely like everybody off the rip most of the time yeah and yeah me too I, like, even the weirdest of the weird people i get not a fan yeah i'm not a fan no, i think that i think he's a i, I mean i'm not like i don't want to say like he's a risk or he's dangerous or whatever but i i said to he's i was putting a him fucking up, liability I, I i put him up in my half like the first half uh i think like maybe the second time he came but you know you know how i kind of like like I just like pick on you. It's like a, I don't know. I hope that it comes off as good natured. Right. Um, but I did that and he like, I could see him like get like his back up with me. And I said to Jared, I was like, he's going on your half the rest of the time he shows up because I, what I don't want is to be responsible for him going and shooting up a lesbian bar or sorority or something. Like, I don't want that to happen. Like, at I least shouldn't be laughing because like I've, no, think about that kid. What was that kid in like San Diego who was like he couldn't get a girlfriend, so he went and shot up a sorority. Did not hear about this. It was like a couple years ago. Oh, then I don't remember this. Yeah. Oh, I might. I, probably not. A couple years he ago, was I was like, doing a lot of drugs. He was a so. kid. Who, like he was like a kid with money, and he was like, "I have money, and I have a nice car." He was an incel. That's actually how incel entered the you know, popular lexicon. Like we okay. didn't know what that was until that kid went and shot up that sorority. It's like, I, I love bashing women as much as the next guy, <laughs> but I'm just like, God damn, dude, you just can't like, if you're going to say fucked up shit, you got to make it funny. I think you, you told me that. Yeah. I think those the, came right out of your words. Cause I, <laughs> back in my early days when I tried to do that feminist bit, <laughs> I, I, and like I said, like I'm not the arbiter of what is funny and what isn't, and I'm not trying to. But I think like I I can I can watch a comedy set that like I can watch I can watch Bill Burr. I fucking love Bill Burr, and 
watch how he has crafted a joke, how he, how he's made something that like, I wouldn't, it's not an opinion I hold. It's not an opinion I would espouse. What I actually watch these comics do, these offensive comics do, is become likable first. Right. And the audience will understand, hopefully, that you're kidding. Right. You know? But if you're not likable first, and we don't know you first, and that's I think that's an open micer's curse... You just look like a dickhead, right? And now, your jokes aren't funny. I one hundred percent can agree with that because, like, I definitely feel like, at one, like when I was first starting, I was definitely like, I'm just gonna say whatever the fuck I want. Like, I, I'm funny with my friends all the time, you know. It'll, it'll translate, no problem. Mm-hmm. But then you, you get humbled. Yeah. You either get humbled and you figure out, or you quit. And then now, like, I feel like I'm so I feel like I'm somewhat liked in the scene at least. You yeah, know? I mean, like, I don't like. Yeah. So. And then I think that, like, if you actually have intention of making this anything else, or even just, like, a, a hobby that where you go a little farther, you have to, like, branch out from this scene or sit down with these guys in the scene and be really honest with each other. Don't just circle jerk each other and write jokes and, like, tell, like, actual critique. And I think that, I think, that's how a scene becomes better. If it's just constantly like, yeah, yeah dude, whatever. great set. Yeah, that was like, fucking awesome. I, I, I was love, outside smoking right. a cigarette, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm really happy you said that. Cause I was actually just talking to Josh about that. Well, um, yeah, I, I was just in Lancaster and we were just kicking it a little bit. And I was just like, dude, like I'm really liking how my comedy's going right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm like leveling up a little bit, but like, I'm trying to avoid the circle jerk. You know, I don't want to just tell people that, Hey, good set. If it wasn't that good of a set, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I was like, I don't know. I just, I like total side tangent, but like you say you're not the arbiter, but like I 100% respect your opinion as a comedian. Because, like, hey, you've been doing it a while. And whenever you tell me something that was good, I usually get a, rea- a good reaction from the crowd from it. So I'm like, okay, Audrey actually knows what yeah. she's talking about. So it's like, I hold your opinion in high value. Because, well, thank you. Like, you but know. But, you know, I'm, li- like, I'm listening to you guys. Like, I right. am paying attention. Also, I quit drinking. So I'm listening Stone even cold better. sober. Yeah. So, uh, like, your joke about bullying people into loving themselves. loving themselves is a really good joke. And also, even the, like, you might look at it on paper and not be able to come, like, it might not translate if you just, like, looked at a joke on paper. It's not. Right. But you're, you're doing, like, a pretty cute act out. I'm sorry to call you cute, but it is I'm like it adorable. makes you it, it, <laughs> it makes you very likable and very relatable. Um, and even though you're kind of saying like mean stuff, that whole like that premise, I I really like that joke. I really like and that I joke think that too. it is where you belong as a comic, right? Because like think about like Youngblood. Youngblood is. Not an offensive comic. Youngblood. He's just a goofy motherfucker. He's <laughs> so cute. He smiles the whole time he does his set. Like, he's, I I just think, um, he's, like, he's got that I'm likable. So even if I say, like, 
kind of off color. Right. Uh, not not even if offensive. I don't want to say offensive, but if I say something off color, a little dicey. you're still going to like me. Right. And you're going to understand that it's a joke. That's <laughs> where that's where you belong to. And like I definitely try to be there, but unfortunately, 5 minutes is only 5 minutes. Right. So right, I right, still right. got to get those brutal ones out of the way. <laughs> well, you know what too? It's like the 5 minutes that you have now, you will if you stick with this in a year you won't it even won't be. Tell, you won't tell those five jokes. Yeah. You won't tell those five minutes. Yeah. Those five minutes will be, even if you did really well with those jokes, those five minutes are crap. Yeah. They're like, I, I, I kind of already like get that because everybody loved that fucking Mulan bit that I yeah. did about World War Three. Yeah. You know, but I'm just like, well, hey, it's not topical anymore. I can't be like, hey, remember when we were about to have World War Three with Iran? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know. But well, I mean, yeah, and that's, I mean, topical jokes. Like, I, what, I have, like, fucking four minutes on Brexit that I wrote in <laughs> 2015, and that shit is still relevant, so you never know. That's that's fair. I mean, <laughs> the problems in the Middle East are unfortunately the not Brexit going anywhere. The Brexit stuff does not do well in rural Pennsylvania. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I mean, I don't even think they know what the fuck but Brexit is. But it fucking is. crushes in, like, in, in Philly. It Educated, yeah. well-informed yeah. individuals, like I said. You're, crushed you're, it crushed in you know atlanta i've done some but like it, bigger si- bigger city people like me <laughs> npr npr listeners like me uh so oh shit but also like you i mean i think that you have uh it seems to me that you have like somewhat of a like political knowledge or like your conspiracy theory stuff like you could write funny jokes about that that would be appealing even if you hit a room full of QAnon voters like or well those those are my people i, I know you, i know i understand yeah 100 percent i'm people. pretty sure i mean i when i look at hillary clinton i think she could have eaten a baby or two um <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't really think that there's a global cabal of baby eaters but uh you might not be wrong about hillary uh broken clocks right twice a day <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. But now, I mean, no, dude, conspiracies, they really fucked me up there for a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic. It actually led to me diving into like some really deep and like, I was learning all about the occult shit. So I'm like, if any of this is true, that means that there's a light side and a dark side. Like it made me like reconnect with a divine being, you know, I'm not going to say God. Because, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know? Because, like... Are you telling me that you found God through I found God QAnon through, on the FEMA train? From losing my fucking mind through QAnon. Okay. I read over... Well, it's very simplified. Like, I don't believe it. But, you know, I was like... We're not going to put it on the podcast. Cause <laughs> You're going to edit this out? <laughs> no, we, we're Where the fuck am I? We, um, can, we, can, we can keep this part at, in, but I'm not going to dive uh, into what, this what, fucking shit show. What's the address show. here? I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah. Just I, I know that this isn't live, but somebody come get me. Um. No, you're safe. I promise. <laughs> Just uh, Roommates, lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> you're QAnon roommates. You'll indoctrinate me. No, no, it ain't like that. We're very, we're very free thought. Okay. But yeah, no, that... If you want my honest opinion about the QAnon thing, that was just 100% a fucking psyop to try and win people's favor back in Trump, you know? And that's, like, that's honestly where I started to fall off. I'm like, they're trying to say that this guy's, in like, the next coming of Jesus Christ. I'm like, all right, that is, that, just, that's propaganda out the fucking wazoo. I don't even know. I, I feel like it is 
like that have you heard the theory about like the pig farmer and the Philippines and like the 4chan guy and uh, mm. 4chan gave way to 8chan and then the 8chan uh, are, are you are like in re- in correlation to like Q itself like and the Q post? Q? Yeah. Oh, who is Q? No, I'm not familiar with that. Um, like I, I know that 4chan then stemmed into 8chan because right, 4chan yeah. got real Nazi-ish real quick. Right. I don't think 8chan's much better. I've never been on 8chan or 4chan to yeah. be to be honest, but um, me neither. I'm not an I'm an internet guy, um, but I do like I. I will go down a rabbit hole. Like I'll read an article and I'll be like, what the fuck is this about? Mm-hmm. And I get mad because my, uh, whatever algorithm I have on my Google, like I want to read the actual QAnon shit. I don't want to read the New York times articles about, about the it. Q- yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to see what they're about. I want to see the YouTube videos, but somehow it gets filtered out of my algorithm. I want to <laughs> watch it. And hmm. I'm sure you can see them. Would you say that maybe that Google and YouTube are purposefully scrubbing this information? No, I don't think that they're purposely <laughs> scrubbing the information. I think that it's it's all it's personalized, which right. makes me uh, makes me a little sketched out too. Um, but it is obscene the amount of information that people are able to get just from like cookies and advertisement, like. At, like my girlfriend is part of the fucking problem. Like she's able, so she works for Hershey, right? Okay. And like she can see when saw somebody saw a mobile ad and then goes by buys chocolate or whatever. Oh Jesus Christ! Is that real? That's a hundred percent real. If you get because like Hershey's she, chocolate tastes like shit. By the way. Hey 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 hey! No, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're that's gotta be edit edited. That, that, that part's gotta be edited out. We are pro Reese's uh, Heath. <laughs> Your peppermint patty. I love Twizzlers. Twizzlers are my favorite candy in the whole wide world. I have world. a fucking big ass bag that I can't eat because I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> okay. I will give you some. But yeah, yeah um, but yeah, it's the amount of information, and that's just for chocolate. Not a, like, my, I had a buddy that used to work for List Track whose entire like his entire world was just seeing who like you could see like exactly what these people are looking at. When like they could predict when you're going to buy a certain product. That like, makes me want to hurl my phone out your window. Right, right? Now. dude. I, it it is insane, and it's funny that we're talking about this right now because today I dropped a hundred bucks on uh, like jujitsu mm-hmm. gear, like just shorts, shirt, and like so. I bought the shorts were on sale, and I was and they're like thirty bucks, thirty five bucks, and then I I wanted to get a similar color matching, you know, top rash guard. So, and that was 50 bucks. And they're like, oh, well, 10 more dollars and you get free shipping. Well, nothing on the website costs $10. So the cheapest thing was 15 Okay. So now, and they're like, bam, 100 bucks. Right out. Like, that is fucking prime time, like, marketing strategy. Strategery. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, what, that's exactly what I was going to say, but I was trying not to Strategy. say, thank you. <laughs> I was like, that's just, like, fucking ingenious that they can just fucking bing. And I guarantee you, because I've been looking at this shit for a while now, they were probably like, yep, today's the day the Joe breaks. $100 order, order to Fuji. I feel like, I mean, I, uh, as as much as I, like, I'm anti-capitalist and I don't, I am also like kind of into dressing myself. I don't know if you've noticed that about me. You I have like a to, great fashion yeah, sense. Thank you. Uh, Much better than my shorts and tie. <laughs> I just, but because of that, and I, I don't have them, I don't have Instagram or Facebook apps on my phone anymore. Good. And I never had a Twitter. Uh, and the, 
not having the apps on my phone makes me check it so infrequently. Right. But I feel like as a stand-up comic, especially as COVID restrictions are lifted, I'm gonna, that's, how, that's how people contact me. Right. But I don't even have the Messenger app on my phone, which you learned. I did learn uh, that. But now I have your number. Yeah. So it's, it, I should be checking it more frequently now that COVID restrictions are lifted, but I got just got used to like not doing it. But I will still get target. I'll be looking at um, like a news site or something, mm-hmm. and I get targeted ads, and it's, it's always for clothing. And it fucking sucks me in. It really does. All my targeted ads are like, uh, like prepper shit. <laughs> you know, like, oh, get your tactical gear here. And, you know, get a week's worth supply of emergency food you can store in your basement for 50 years. Yeah. That's all my targeted ads. And then the occasional, like, <laughs> I just want to know, like, what the FBI guy who's stalking my, my information thinks. Because it's like, guns patriotism blah 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 lsd psychedelics <laughs> this dude's tripping balls listening to fucking dubstep you know I mean, that's <laughs> some i i mean i like you wouldn't describe yourself as alt-right would you no i'm pretty i'm pretty moderate yeah i'm pretty moderate kind of like but like it just i was like dependent like it's, it's I getting think maybe t- comedy's helping that for you too a little bit like i've i've been i've been the same okay like you know I I used to be like fair like pretty liberal. Like um I've always been a registered Republican because like when I registered I was like I'm going to be the Democrat influence in the Republican party that we need, you know? But then now like I, like my views have like mainly stayed the same. But like it just feels like now there's a lot of not from like you, but like I see it on Twitter, like where my moderate stance on something is like now starting to be considered all right. And I'm just like, whoa, that's fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it depends on where you stand on mostly race and keep them separated. (laughs) (laughs) No, like I've like, dude, 100% preach unity all day, every day, you know? Like, and like, I don't, like, I fucking drive an 89 Chevy Silverado that looks like shit. I automatically look racist as fuck, especially if I'm coming from work. Is that really what you drive? Yeah. That's your daily driver? That's my daily driver. 89 Chevy Silverado? 89 Chevy Silverado. Jeez, that's just running on hopes and dreams. 223,000 miles on it. Wow. That's actually like, that's just, this is a good commercial for the Chevy Silverado. Dude, it is a beast. Because I had I had my, well, I don't know if you ever saw my last truck, but I had an 03 Dodge Ram. But I had an internal coolant leak, and I threw a rod in my engine. So completely fucked up the engine, and it was looking at like 3500 to get a fix. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I might as well just buy a car, you know, especially if I'm doing comedy, you yeah. know. Um, so here we are a little over a year later, haven't bought a car <laughs> and just dumped 1500 bucks into the Chevy because I had my brakes go out on me as I was coming home from work the yeah, other, I mean, other day. But that's a wear part. Yeah. It's not, I mean, but if the engine, I, I'm just surprised that there's, there's still, I mean. They don't make them like they used they to don't, anymore. They really don't. That thing is going, and that, dude, it is crazy because I was like, yeah, this is going to be my project truck. You know, I'm going to put, I'm going to fix it. And I ended up just sitting in my mom's backyard for like seven or eight months until I mm-hmm. fucking blew the Dodge up. And then, the, but it was funny because when I got it towed there, because I bought the truck, the two trucks together from a friend of mine. I basically bought 
the Dodge and then got that one for free because his dad was tired of fucking looking at it. And when I got it towed to my mom's, the, he was like, oh, man, I'd, I'd keep that. I'd keep that Dodge in the garage and fix this up. This thing will run. And I was like, yeah, whatever, buddy. It's an 89 with 200 some thousand miles. I think maybe got 50,000 miles on it, if that. And sure enough, Dodge blows up coming back from a mic in Harrisburg. And that thing's been treating me right ever since. Yeah. So I'm about to kill my fucking car. It looks fine. Looks, it does look looks fine. Looks good. Uh, I mean, it's a Honda. I haven't had like any problems with it, but like I've put so many fucking comedy miles on that car, that uh, I just like I just worry about her. Yeah, but I worry about uh, Tyler's car. Oh yeah, I, like, that Hyundai thing, Sonata. That thing was making some noises when we went to Easton the one time. Yeah. Well, shit, Audrey, we are at an hour and twenty minutes. How okay. do you say we wrap this yeah, up? Get you out of here. You can yeah. get to your wife. Yep. I like to end my podcast with positive affirmations. Okay. Do you have any? Uh, I think that comedians are broken people that deserve to be coddled and loved. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Episode 9, In the Books with Audrey Marsh. Check out her podcast, The Cure with Tyler Weigert. And then I know she just said she doesn't have Facebook or Instagram on her phone anymore, but check her out on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, it's at Marsh DeVitri on Instagram. But I don't post anything. I you really suck. don't, because I follow you. Yeah, I, I suck <laughs> it at, is, it I is suck very at social rare. media. Yeah. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, good night.